The Social Screenwriters Podcast. The Social Screenwriters Podcast. The Social Screenwriters Podcast. Where Andy talks to people he met on the internet. Hey there, everybody. Welcome to episode 13 of the Social Screenwriters Podcast. I am your host, Andy Compton, and today on the show we have a very special guest. Her name is Rebecca Louise Miller. So, Rebecca is a screenwriter and performer uh, who is based in Brooklyn, uh, the BK as we call it in the episode. Uh, me trying to be cool, I, I called it the BK. I don't, I don't fucking know. Alright, I live in Missouri, okay? Uh, but she is the writer of Greenwood, which was the winner of the Rooster Teeth Women in Animation Fellowship at the 2021 Austin Film Festival. And she also is the writer and actress featured in One Day Home, a short film that is featured on the YouTube channel Amaletto, which is like a pretty big deal. It's pretty cool that she's on there. Uh, short has a bunch of views. It's really cool. I checked it out. I liked it a lot. Um, she's a good actress on top of being a good writer. Uh, she's a multi-hyphenate, but, uh, yeah, she's funny. We had a great time talking. We get into who she is. Um, you know, uh, the things that she's done before writing, she was into playwriting and then she moved into writing for the screen. Um, her life as an actress and all kinds of stuff. It's a really fun episode. She's super cool. Um, I also want to let you guys know, if you like what you hear, uh, please give us a shout out on Twitter at social writer pod is our handle. Uh, if you know, say whatever, say something you learned in the episode, something I said that was stupid that you want to, you know, give me shit about. You can do all that on Twitter. Um, and also if you enjoyed the episode and you feel so inclined, you can donate to us and help the show keep running. Uh, cause I'm poor. <laughs> Uh, you can do that at the Linktree link in our bio at Social Writer Pod. If you want to, great. That would be amazing. If not, not a big deal. I get it, guys. It's fucking hard out here. Um, and also, we don't have any advertisers this week. So if you have a company, you have a film festival, a screenwriting competition, a movie, a short film, anything that you want to advertise, uh, you can do that on the podcast. Um, I'm kind of like in a middle ground right now of looking for people to want to advertise with us. Um, so if you have something that you think our audience would be into, hit me up and we can work something out. Uh, without further ado, though, guys, let's just go ahead and hop into the show. Rebecca, how are you doing? I just asked you that off air, but now that we're on air, this is a little radio trick. Just answer yeah. the same question. Okay, thank you for that. Uh, yes, yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I'm well. Uh, all It's a beautiful spring day here in Brooklyn, New York. Oh, awesome. See, that that already, I didn't know where you were located. You're in the BK. See, I'm yep. from Missouri, and I, I think I'm supposed to call it the BK. You could call it the BK. That's fine. I can? Okay, cool, cool, Can cool. I call it the STL? Yeah, yeah, definitely. But you have to say the, so I know which one the. you're talking about. Sure. Yeah. Um, cool. I can already tell we're going to have fun here. Uh, <laughs> so, um, yeah, let's just hop on into it if you're okay mm -hmm. with it. Awesome. Bring it. So Rebecca, we've known each other for not very a long. long. No, on very yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. About, <laughs> it's been about 45 years. Yeah. Uh, but it went by in the blink of an eye. 
So <laughs> I I am, I feel like I'm getting to know you still. No, like we've been friends on Twitter for a little bit, but um, I, I wouldn't even call it a, a super long time. But I mean, we are right. friendly on there. So, yeah, it's just going to be interesting to get to know you because I don't really know that much about Rebecca. We talked one time in a Zoom with a bunch of our friends, uh, yeah. our mutual friends. It was like eight of us. Uh, and that's it. So, audience, I'm going to be getting to know Rebecca right along with you. It's so, going to be awkward, everybody. Yeah, let's do it. Um, anytime that you think it feels awkward, uh, just like make it even worse. And okay, we'll just good, see good. how terrible we can make this episode. <laughs> no, I'm just yeah. playing. It's going to be great. Uh, all right. So Rebecca, how'd you get into screenwriting? Oh God. So it's, it's a long story. It doesn't have to be a long story, but here we are. Um, uh, <laughs> I was like hell bent on acting for a living from the time I was like 14 years old. Um, I was like a very serious, probably insufferable, like actor to be mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. and moved out to New York after college. It, uh, to do the theater like my dream was to like be one of those people in uh, like a black turtleneck in a church mm -hmm. basement uh -huh. <laughs> doing some weird ass like interpretation of a Chekhov play right right um, so and then I got to New York and got to do some of those and I was like huh um, maybe not as totally fulfilling as I had hoped some of these <laughs> some of these church basement productions uh -huh. um and I ended up writing a thing. I got laid off from a job and wrote a play. And because I, I was on unemployment, this was in 2008. Mm -hmm. And uh, thanks, Obama, literally, I, I got to be on unemployment for a long time and put up a play. We like fundraised and put it up, yeah. um, which I had to write at first, which was a long and really difficult process. Mm -hmm. um, but the play ended up doing well audiences really liked it and it got published which is like not a thing that happens for plays yeah <laughs> that is awesome yeah and that play went on to be like produced by other people and that it was this incredible thing because like when you're acting in a play it's like a wonderful experience but it like lives and dies during the time that the play is up and if you're lucky you get a review when you're done sure. but it for the first time I got to experience like my work going places without me or ahead of me. Cause I tried to go see it and it got like, I don't know, like four or five productions. Some of them I was more involved with than others. Some of them mm -hmm. I think I still don't even know about actually, which is a whole weird thing. Uh, yeah. I can imagine. Give me money. Yeah. Seriously. If anyone's listening and you hijacked Rebecca's play, like, come on, <laughs> this is a good time to come clean. Get, I got like a weird email from a, a student at a university upstate that was like, hey, like I'm working on your play. Like, can you answer some questions? And I was like, sure. Like, first question is, uh, who's doing it? Uh, I actually, I didn't ask. Now I would ask. Yeah, <laughs> like, and, and is there money in your budget right. to pay me? Yeah. Right. Yeah, that's super yeah. odd. Um, wow, what a unique experience. Um yeah, I find the theater fascinating. I have oh not seen much theater in my day. And yeah. I took one playwriting class in like 2020 sure. uh, when I was uh, still an old guy at film school. And uh, yeah, like <laughs> we read. I even uh, offered playwriting classes at film school. That's good. 
Yeah, it was cool. It was a, a script writing program. So we did a bunch of different shit. We did like script writing for like radio commercials and like, mm. you know, like there was a lot of niche stuff in there. And yeah, the playwriting was fun because for me, not knowing much about the theater and not knowing much about plays in general, I was fascinated because it's really just like a showcase of dialogue and like yeah. these monster scenes with just, you know, really rich dialogue. I'm sure they're not all great, but the ones that we read were really good. I liked it. Yeah, a good um, play is like, mm. Yeah, yeah. And and for me too, <laughs> like, again, this is just my own ignorance. I thought of plays as like, you know, Shakespeare, like Hamlet mm -hmm. holding the skull. And like, my only knowledge of that is from that little scene at the end of Billy Madison, when, I don't know oh, if you've yeah. seen that movie. Whenever, have, it's uh, been a while, but yeah. yeah. Uh, Adam Sandler gives like a monologue. I think it's from <laughs> Hamlet. I don't know. It's really Probably silly and stupid. And yeah, that's my whole knowledge on Hamlet. Is that, <laughs> that part of that you movie? You didn't know. I'm, you weren't ready. No, I'm an uncultured <laughs> idiot. But um, but it's okay. But uh, no, yeah, that's crazy. And then um, so did you see like a decent like were you able to live off of that play for like a little bit? <laughs> no. God bless. That is so nice. So, but he, so here's the thing yeah. um, is that even like the playwrights who are getting produced all over the place, like mm -hmm. I think in, in the early aughts, Tony Kushner, he wrote Angels in America and a bunch of other big plays. Mm -hmm. um, he came out publicly and said, I'm not able to live on playwriting. Oof. And, and so my, and I knew this sort of going into the whole thing. And I was like, you know, I mean, I didn't ever plan to be a playwright. I plan to be a starving actor. So mm -hmm. it wasn't that much of like a switch of like, cause the idea that you can live off it at any point, is like never going to happen. Yeah. In some ways that's, it's been great for TV. Like there's a lot of great TV writers and a lot of them have a background in playwriting because they, mm -hmm. then they can't pay their bills in the theater. It's just not structured that way sure. anymore. So yeah. I yeah. love the, uh, I, I never planned to be a starving playwright. I planned to be a starving actor. <laughs> yeah, <I was> <laughs> That's short. so funny. Well, and I also never wanted to write because it was like, I, because uh, when I had studied acting, I was, I thought writers were like farted magic dust, like, mm -hmm. like a really good script of whatever genre, like, as an actor, it like goes to work on you, like on a subconscious level uh -huh. and you're dreaming about it and you can discover things inside of it. And as I was learning sort of how to do that stuff, it made me really truly think that writers are magic. Uh -huh. So I resisted writing really hard because I was just like, I don't, I don't know that witchcraft. Yeah. Yeah. And that's understandable. And weirdly, I feel like I don't know. This is just my own very limited experience, but I feel like a lot of actors maybe feel that way. I feel like there's not yeah. a ton of actors who are also trying to do writing at like a super high level. You know what I mean? Like I want to break in and like write the next Hollywood movie. I feel like, and I don't know if it's, you know, like you said, you know, thinking that there's something about writing at that level that's like out of their reach or yeah. if it's more like a my focus is so on acting that I just can't give enough focus to that side yeah. uh, I don't know what it is but I've, I've kind of felt like I've I've noticed that among actors I, I feel like I go around like browbeating actors into writing their scripts that's like because because it, it, you've lived in it in those worlds in like well-created worlds uh, well-written 
world. Mm -hmm. And so you know what it feels like when a scene is clicking. So um, you can do that. Like, I know you have an improv background. Yeah. And and that helps so much with writing and constructing a scene. It does. Yeah, that was a unintended uh, benefit for me of taking improv classes. I really took it one out of boredom and my really good friend was doing it. Uh, And then the other, I guess I sort of was doing it to be a better writer. I don't know. Um, But it does. It does help. Yeah. (laughs) No, I'm not going to admit to that. No, uh, I don't know why I would fight that battle. But um, no, uh, it it definitely has helped because one of the best things that we that I learned in improv was especially with comedy because I like to inject comedy and know a lot of stuff I write. Yeah. Was learning about like, you know, ending a scene with a button. Like when you're on stage yeah. and you've been going for two, three minutes, it, the next time someone says something really funny, everybody's scattered because you're not going to, I don't know. Have you ever done improv? I have not done improv. Oh, okay. I mean, I've I done a little bit in acting class context, but it was a little different. Right. I didn't know if maybe you had like a, but I, I feel like, a lot of improvisers out there can relate to you're out there. It's a two, three minute scene. Things are going well. Someone says something really funny and you feel it in your gut that that should have been Mm. the button on the scene and Mm. it should have ended, but instead you keep it going. And then you're just swimming in like unknown waters and can't hit that high again. And the scene loses quality uh, because of it. So I've really learned. um, I think I have a feel for writing scenes from that experience of being like, that part's really funny. That should be the end of this scene. It should end right on that hard thing. And don't and go peak into the too scene. early. Yes, yeah. don't peak too early, um, for sure. And just, <laughs> you know, characters and how they speak and trying to be consistent with that stuff and how yeah. yin and yang is really funny. You know, the the classic, like, Chris Farley, David Spade, you know, the silly yeah. guy and the straight man uh, playing back and forth. Um, stuff like that, for sure. But... Okay, so we, I don't want to dwell on that too long. I do want to ask you the, maybe the best, most fun question on the list is, uh, Rebecca, how would you describe your brand? Uh, This one. It's funny, (laughs) I had time to prepare and I just didn't. Maybe that's my brand. You had like two hours to prepare. That's true. I'm, I'm very bad with emailing out the questions so that everyone knows. But I've listened to every episode of the podcast, so it's not it's not total blindside. Um, actually, I don't know if I've listened to all of them yet, but I started with wow, David. Wow, what the fuck? Lesson. I can't believe yeah, that I you know. haven't listened to them all. Sorry. Okay, whatever. No, yeah. no, no, no. It's cool. Yeah. It's cool. No, That's immediately who you are. After this. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. Uh, oh, all right. Okay. So my brand is uh, I like to say interesting people in impossible situations. Um, although isn't that every script? <laughs> yeah, but I love that. Interesting <laughs> okay, people good. in impossible situations. Yeah. God, and I, like, I love that. Oh, good. Oh, That's really then cool. I'll keep it. Yeah. <laughs> and I tend to write like funny tragedies mm-hmm. or heartbroken comedies. Like it's, I, it's always like walking that line. And a lot of the stuff that I like to watch is mm-hmm. walking that line. I, I feel like my first my two like big full length plays are like really emotionally hardcore, but um, the characters in them are constantly cracking jokes to keep mm-hmm. themselves from throwing themselves off a bridge. Yeah. So, which is also what I do in life. I was going to say that's similar to what I write. And yeah. when I talk to people about it, I, a lot of people recount or counter with, uh, well, you know, that's just like life. 
that's yeah. what we do. You know, we're, yeah. we're all going through it in one way or another to different degrees, of course, but we all try to find that levity you know, yeah. just to get through the day. So I feel I like I'm that. much funnier when I'm unhappy. God, me too. <laughs> me too. That's like the, the comedian's dilemma too, is like, you know, not wanting to go to therapy maybe because yeah. I'm not going to be funny <laughs> anymore, uh, which is also a myth. It's not true. Right. Yeah. We, we can all do what we need to do and, and we will blossom in all the yeah. ways we need to blossom. As long as you've been through some fucked up stuff, then you will stay yeah. funny. <laughs> Thank God. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, but yeah, I love that. Um, interesting people in impossible situations. That's yeah. six words. Ooh. five words five words interesting people in impossible situations i can't yeah. count but uh yeah i love that i'm obsessed with people well, i mean much like a log line uh, yeah uh compacting your brain down to as few words as possible and that's why i'm obsessing with that right now because it's five yeah. words and it's like i mean you, like you said you know isn't that every story which is true but at the same time like that's a really intriguing way of putting it I think. well that's like what i focus on and i like Usually whatever I write is uh, was inspired by some question that's making me crazy mm-hmm. or, or is really exciting. And I want to put people on different sides of the, of the question, like having people with yep. different but equally valid points of view yep. who have to learn to deal with each other or try to influence each other around yeah. that question. I love it. The dramatic question. The dramatic so question. Mm-hmm. Uh, cool. Um, so let's get into like you, whenever you're writing, uh, since everyone's writing, (laughs) writing routine is unique. Can you describe to me your regular writing routine? Like, are you a morning writer? Are you a nighttime writer? Coffee, water, alcohol, snacks. Yeah. Uh, What room are you in? You know, break it down for us. So it's a little chaotic. Um, Mm -hmm. but I will admit I get my best writing done on my bed which is mm. a terrible habit, but I yeah. feel like, you know, part of the issue is like, I work a day job at, at my desk all day. Like, so I'm like on a, one laptop on my desk and then yeah. it's time to go write. And that's on another laptop and it just feels a little better to be in a different space. And I, I don't know, maybe it's like, Oh, that's where my subconscious, I don't, I don't know. Yeah, 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 yeah. No, feel free to say dorky shit on this podcast. It's a bunch of dorky screenwriters. So, like, feel free. Hello, fellow dorks. (laughs) How do you access your subconscious? And I can't drink coffee anymore, which blows. Mm -hmm. Uh, Yeah, I turned 40 and my my body was like, no, you are too Jewish to enjoy normal (laughs) (laughs) dietary things. I feel like I'm going through that. I'm I'm massively cutting back on coffee right now, trying to figure out some GI issues and I'm almost 34 and -hmm. I'm like, is this my body saying we're done with that? Yeah. Like that's over for you. You don't get to enjoy that anymore. Uh, and we've started a way. long, slow decline into death. So yes, our systems it, are slowly shutting down. Yeah. Well, yeah. I think cool. I didn't expect it to start so soon. It's like after <laughs> 30, things just started happening. And I'm just like, what yeah. the fuck? Mm-hmm. Um, I thought 30, I, I mean, don't get me wrong. My 30s 30, are yeah. awesome. Like I'm loving yeah. my 30s, but it does suck. The physical things that you're yeah. first starting to notice like, oh no, yeah. this is the beginning of the end. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, anyway, uh, it's trade-offs though, because don't you feel like emotionally and intellectually things oh are God. opening up? 
Yes, I feel the best I've ever felt in those respects. You know, oh, the healthiest good. and the smartest I've ever been. I've been a dumbass yeah. for a lot of my <laughs> life. And at this point, I'm like, yeah, you're making some better choices. Good for you, you know? And yeah, yeah it's weird how you just, I was talking to someone yesterday about um, writing coming of age stuff. And I feel oh, like wow. I'm doing a lot of that. And we were talking about how there's even coming of age stories of like, 20s to 30s you know late 20s oh, to 30s yeah and I was like yeah I feel like I'm really fascinated with that right now because that's what I'm experiencing it's like after 30 it's like you know you're of course you're an adult your entire 20s but I never felt like it yeah and even yeah. now I still feel like a big kid in many ways but like yeah at the same time though I'm like for the first time in my life, like you are a whole ass adult now, man, <laughs> like yeah. uh, grown up, you're not a child anymore. All that shit is behind you. And it's just, mm -hmm. but as writers, that kind of shit is fascinating, you know, too, because you're like, Ooh, I get to explore this yeah. feeling. And also with something like that, it's almost like inherent that many, many people are going to relate to what you have to say about that. Yeah. That's a very relatable human thing that we're all experiencing. Yep. At one period. The, the like giving of fewer fucks is such a beautiful place. I'm like, I'm going to be awesome when I'm 70. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> like, there's going to be no stopping me. Yeah. Every decade, a few more fucks shave mm -hmm. off they until just, you just, just have none left to die. give. Yeah. Um, Along with your digestive system. Yes. Okay. And, so, yeah. You said no coffee. <laughs> that was oh, yeah, a long, okay. a long okay. roundabout Tangent. there. That was good. Um, yeah. Sometimes I drink water. I don't usually eat food. I usually just like hunch over my keyboard until my neck hurts too much. Mm. Um, and then we'll try to find a new situation. I really, yeah. I want uh, to figure out some of the setup where I can walk and write. I think that oh, would be God. really good. Me too. I wish yeah, I had like, cause they have, so yeah, they have that like treadmills with like a little platform at the top. You can put your laptop yes. and go at a very yes. slow pace, but you're moving, yeah. you know, yep. I would love that. Uh, when I have some money, I'm going to do that. Do it. <laughs> we'll yeah, I am a firm believer that like all the secrets live in your body and you just have to shake them out. Mm -hmm. Yeah, for sure. I, I just recently got back on working out every day, just doing like, small exercise and then i do have a treadmill but it doesn't have that uh capability yeah. of putting a laptop on it so that sucks yeah. but i got away from working out for like fuck almost a year like we made we shot ethan and edna a short film that i made well me and a bunch of people made last summer and uh during that time i got so stressed out i quit working out and i really didn't get back to it until just now like almost like eight months later and already I'm after like two weeks, I'm starting to feel like, oh yeah, this is how I write well. Like this is how yeah. I operate well when I'm taking care of myself, when I'm yeah. eating as as much as well as I can. You know, I don't eat perfect, but eating as well as I can, drinking enough water, trying to get enough sleep, trying to exercise, yeah. all the it's it's like uh it fucking sucks that that stuff works <laughs> so well. It really does. For sure. Um, okay, so we know your routine. Now let's talk about your process. Uh, let's get into the nitty gritty of you as a writer. So, Rebecca, you have a new idea. Uh -huh. The first thing you do, do you jump into an outline? Do you write a log line? Do you need a title before you can get started? What's the first thing that you do? Do you just start writing pages? Some people do that. 
Yeah. Generally, um, I'll get excited and I'll start outlining because mm-hmm. I'm one of those people. It's funny because I'm like chaotic in a lot of ways, um, but I get so intimidated by the blank page that outlines are actually such a nice way for me to get in and also be able to be a little chaotic about like which part of my outline I jump on first. Mm-hmm. And I will, you know, I will do my, what is it? Is it my, my seven main story points? Uh-huh. Uh, I just, I love right. that shit. And yeah. it, it's all subject to change, but it allows me to feel like there's enough of a track to go on. Um, and once I have that stuff in place, then I will start writing scenes. The log line happens somewhere early on too. Mm-hmm. Um, although I'm sure there, there are projects that I just didn't do a log line until the end. But I, I do think it's a good idea to be able to sum up your story in a sentence or two as yeah. you're starting. Yeah, sometimes same. you don't know. Sometimes you don't know what it's really going to be until it's like a little bit further along. Yeah, and sometimes you like, you know, you get into writing and you're like, oh, that's not what this is about. Yeah. You know, and that's okay. You organically found it. Um, cool, but you are an outline person. Hell yes, I'm an outline person. And I respect everybody else's process yeah. and situation. I just, yeah. for me, like the outline is a godsend. And I love it. And I think they're fun and sexy. Yeah, they are. They're, it, it's, and for me, it's just nice to have a plan you know, yeah. like a general plan. So you said you do like a seven point outline typically. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Where did you learn your style of outlining? Cause I learned mine from save the cat, very infamously known. They owe me so much money for saying yeah, no, or, or you owe them money. Oh, I never oh, thought of it that way. Snap. Well, I, I paid 15 for the book. Oh yeah. So, so you they did can pay fuck money. themselves. Yeah. I took this, this great class that I'm happy to plug. if such a thing as allowed because uh-huh. yeah, um, for sure. I haven't been writing for the screen, like really that long. Um, and, uh, and I wanted some accountability. It's actually funny. I was like, I have the concept for a pilot and I want to write it. And it was my first pilot. And I was like, uh, I have the concept, but I need to figure out like how to get some things down on the page. And then a friend emailed me and was like, I just took this great class called concept to pages. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I was like, shut up. That's perfect. And she had just won this, <laughs> the nickel also. So I was oh, like, wow. I'm going to take her recommendations very seriously. And so I took this great zoom based class with these, uh, writers. They're actually a husband and wife team that based in LA and it's called Pagecraft. And I took concept to pages twice and I took a rewriting class with them twice. And it's, uh, and that's sort of where I learned my like seven points thing. And they do this thing called the character arrow where you like decide on these key attributes of your character. Like, you know, and once you've identified this person's needs and all these parts of their personalities, it becomes much clearer, you know, how, how character really leads the plot. Um, so then you can like engineer your plot out from this character smart or make adjustments reverse engineer whatever um and it's just made it so much simpler and less oh god like the suffering the unnecessary suffering of like what is this thing or like there's Mm. how do i get to it how do i figure it out what's the shape of it gonna be Mm -hmm. it was just oh it was a lot more just brutal and difficult before yeah. And I'm so happy now I can I can keep the drama on the page and out of my brain a little yeah. bit more. 
Yeah, for sure. Um, no, I totally agree. I remember before I got to film school and learned about outlining and shit, uh, like a year before I was trying to write on my own and I was like trying to write a feature film and I wrote, I had a concept and I wrote the same, I wrote a concept. I wrote like page one to 40 and it, it was Ooh. trash. Yeah. And, uh, and I didn't know where I was going and I hit a brick wall and I stopped and then put it down for a while. Sometime later I went back, tried again. And I did the same thing, like one to yeah. around page 40 didn't know what I was doing. And then uh, I think I tried one more time and failed, but um, get to film school and like, we just started learning about like the save the cat beat sheet. Uh, just like, just the beat sheet. Like this is something yeah. that a lot of people use. And I, I think it's great to teach that to very early screenwriters. Cause while it is formulaic quote unquote, sure. many people would say it's yeah. like, it's a traditional movie. And, um, yeah. you know, that's how it usually goes. And then once you learn those beats, every movie you watch almost, you're like, oh, yep. yeah, it's following that. Yep. But um, for me, it was such a relief because I was like, oh, on, you know, page 20 to 25, somewhere in there, that's where we enter act two. Like, yes. it's a specific place where now we're in this new world where we have a mission and blah, blah, like, and it sounds a little silly, maybe to some people, but like, that's just how little I knew about this stuff about writing and no, about I don't think how anybody it knows it going yeah. into it. It's, but you yeah. like, you intuit it and you know it when you see it. And even like the, the page count thing for me, I'm like, it's just so I'm like, Oh, I'm on the right track here. If this is happening yeah. around here. And yeah, yeah, of course you can always be like, fuck this formula. I am the, I'm the great voice of my generation and do yeah. something different. Yeah. Um, that hasn't worked out for me so far, me but either. I'm probably not the voice of our, of, of my generation. Um, yeah. To be seen. Okay. There's still time. <laughs> we'll see. No. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I agree. And like, you know, if people want to make real art house, you know, uh, non-traditional non-linear stuff, uh, I think that's awesome. Go for it. But for me, like, I just know for a fact that I do want to write traditional narratives. Like I do yeah. want to write the hero's journey, you know, and three yeah. acts. I, I want people to feel a certain way. And I want this cathartic journey. Like mm -hmm. that's sort of like, I don't know. I think that's sort of probably the way we've been structuring stories since they were like Greeks shouting poems at each other. Like, yep. it, it's, yes, it's always great to like question and reinvent, but like, uh, but, things need to have a build a climax and a denouement like it just feels good and like yeah. those are the stories I like yeah and just to watch someone uh realize that there's something they need in life and then yeah. decide to push against their fear and chase it go through yeah. absolute hell to get it and yeah. uh and have achieved that goal by the end of the movie there's just something yeah. about that that I'm cool with and then sometimes I see a real art house movie that's like gorgeous cinematography, great performances, all these things. But at the end of it, I'm like, God, I really missed the story part. I, yeah. I wish that there was more. And that's not a knock. Uh, everyone has their own cup of tea of what they like, you know? Sure. And I, I appreciate all those art house movies too. Like a lot of them are really fucking incredible as far as just doing something brand new. That's so yeah. different. Makes you think, I mean, usually they're, you know, like drenched in metaphors and all these yeah. things that make you think about uh, themes and things like that more than plot, which is yeah. cool too. We need that as well. But like for me as a storyteller, yeah, I'm just like you and that I like those traditional stories.
I want to know how someone's changed by the end, what they had to confront along the way, mm-hmm. or if they confronted it and weren't able to change. Like that's fascinating too. Yeah, definitely. Okay. So Rebecca, on average, how long does it take for a first draft to be complete? Dude, and this I is don't like, know. Uh, this is like, I guess, I don't know if I'm talking about from new idea to finish first. Yeah, let's do that. New idea, outline all that shit to I just typed fade out or the end. So I feel like I just took this class and started being able to write more quickly. Mm -hmm. Um, But also, what is time? Uh, Been asking that since March of 2020. Exactly. So I feel like, I don't know, for a pilot, uh, I can get a draft out in maybe like two months. Like I'm not a super fast writer, but that, but that draft is going to be, I, I, I call them a vomit draft, but I, I end up, I end up doing some editing as I go. Like no eyeballs will be on it until it's not truly a first draft anymore. Same. I'm the same way. No one's going to read my truest first draft. No one's going to read yeah. it until I'm like, okay, putting it out there. Yeah. Uh, and, you know, when I, when I say that too, I mean, like, of course, I know it's not perfect, but um, I never want to waste someone's time with something yeah. that's just like utter trash. Cause, yeah. you know, and that's not to judge anyone or anything for whatever you do. Who knows what your first draft looks like? But there is a part of me that's like about like respecting people's time, yeah. and not, especially with a feature and not making them read 110 pages where you're like, listen, I know it's not great. Yeah. And like, I'm going to make sure at least there's no spelling or grammar errors. And the story is in a place where I'm like, it's a legitimate story. Like, yeah. It's at. And I'm like, I want to fix the gnarly bits that I know are gnarly bits. And at mm-hmm. least the ones that I know how to fix mm-hmm. before I'm going to like put it in front of people. Cause like, I don't need to waste their time and I don't need their notes about the stuff that I already know is a glaring issue. Right. That's another thing too. If you're going to put it out there and make someone or have someone not make them have someone <laughs> take the time to read your shit and give you careful notes, <clears throat> at least take care of everything that you can take care of on your yeah. end with your brain, the way that it works and yeah. then give it to someone else's brain. Who's going to see the things that you don't see Yeah, um, for sure. So that's fair. So, and you're talking like a 30 minute uh, pilot, like yeah. a half hour pilot. So I feel like I'm still kind of unpredictable in terms of like how long things take. And it, of course it depends on like what else is going on in life, but yeah, mm-hmm. that's, that's what I, yeah. that's what I reckon. Yeah. You might've already said this and I'll hear it when I'm editing it, but I want to ask though, when did you start? Can I shame you if if I've already said, okay. Uh Uh-huh. For sure. Yeah, definitely. Um, so, uh, uh, how long have you been writing for the screen? Like just for the screen, not playwriting. So I wrote a short a couple years ago Mm -hmm. that we ended up filming. Mm -hmm. Is that one day home? Yes, look at yeah. you. Hey, you did my prepared. research. Did yeah. my research. And that's on Amaletto. That's a big deal. It is. It is. Yeah. yeah. That's, I, I have a good streak of beginners left. Yeah. Um, and and I for listeners. Feature... Oh, yeah. I was, I was yeah, just going to add for listeners. It. This is One Day Home is a short film. It's on Amaletto. 
on YouTube, a popular short film channel, mm-hmm. and Rebecca acts in the movie in the short uh, and wrote it. Yeah. Yeah, that's I like awesome. I to say Zoe Kazan was busy that day. Ah, that's um, smart. See, that's good. <laughs> no, uh, yeah, yeah that, that's really, really cool, though. Um, so continue. How did that come about? Oh, God. So um, I've been in a writing group for like, I've been in there for maybe going on 15 years. The group's been meeting for 25, and I'm their newest member. Oh, cool. Um, 15 yeah. years deep, and you're the newest yeah. member? That's Isn't that amazing. cool? I mean, or maybe it's terrible. I don't know. Uh, maybe at some point we'll open up to more people, but it's, it's great. Oh, that's and, so awesome. Yeah. And I was just going through some gnarly life shit. I was going through a, a my marriage had ended mm. and I had this really surprising experience shopping for a new bed, uh-huh. um, I, which was that basically like I was at Macy's Herald Square, which is like the biggest department store in the world. Mm-hmm. And it's like this vast arena of mattresses everywhere. Mm-hmm. And every time I laid down on a bed, I would like open my eyes and make eye contact with this very cute man mm-hmm. who was also doing the same. Mm-hmm. It sounds creepy. And it <laughs> surprisingly wasn't. Um, yeah. And it was hilarious. And we started chatting and everyone started like noticing it's New York. So people get involved in each other's business. And, <laughs> um, like, like the sales guy was like, you're going to make your move. And um, there was like a cute little old couple, older couple shopping there too. And they were like, you guys are adorable. And like a mattress salesman thought we were together and started asking us questions. Like literally asked this guy in front of me if he was a sweaty sleeper. Oh my uh, God. Question. That's so funny. Yeah. So I, um, I took this, I was telling my friend from the writing group uh, about this experience and she was like, uh, that's a short film. So why don't you write it and I'll produce yeah. it. And I was yeah. like, okay. You know, I literally don't know what else to do with my life <laughs> right now. So uh-huh. I wrote it and, um, and we were like, we're just going to make it on the cheap. We'll get somebody's DSLR. It's going to be low key, whatever. Mm-hmm. But what ended up happening was, I think it started because we ended up getting a really great director to work on it. Mm-hmm. And then when she drew Danny as her name, she's freaking awesome. Mm-hmm. And then when she was in place, of course, like she's going to get a great DP to come work with her. Yeah. And then we're getting a great camera team. And then we cast the male lead. It was, he's this incredible actor named Alfredo Narciso. And he, <laughs> he went out to people he knew. And the next thing I knew it was, I was like surrounded. You can see it in this film. I'm completely outclassed. But oh, it's like all so people funny. I had been watching on television Yeah. Um, while my life was falling apart. Um, and uh, yeah, the biggest panic attack I've ever had in my life was the night before we filmed because I was like, I don't know if I can act anymore. Especially next to all these people because it's been a while. Yeah. Um, yeah. So. Oh my God, that's so funny. That's such a great story though. Like, you know, uh, it's, it's so funny you brought up your beginner's luck because that's like a thing yeah. where... Thing, it's just one thing after another of just being like, oh, this idea is becoming bigger than me and bigger than yeah. I uh, intended. And you just have to um, go with it and have fun with it. Like we yeah. ended up crowdfunding and I was, <laughs> you're learning a lot about me. And I was doing a lot of pole dancing at that time of my life. Because oh, cool. what do you do when you get a divorce? Um, That's the dance. first thing, right? Yeah. Usually Actually, you just go straight really to a strip is. club. <laughs> it, it, um, I wasn't doing it pro- professionally. I was actually paying to do it. Although, oh, um, okay, just learning. I, I definitely respect the mothers of the craft. 
Yeah. Wholeheartedly. Um, yeah, absolutely. The work they're doing it in front of a crowd. Amazing. Yes. And they yeah. also like invented this whole art farm. But anyway, that's a, that's mm. a tangent. So yeah. <laughs> uh, we needed to raise money for the film. So I, I was like, this feels uncomfortable. How do we do it in the most fun and delightful way possible? Mm-hmm. So we decided to have this fundraiser called Bedtime at the pole dancing studio. And all my friends all pole danced. My, at least they were my dancing friends. Yeah. And uh, there was some burlesque. And my producer was a poet. So she read erotic poetry. And we had other poets come in. And there would be like, there were like women dancing and people reciting beautiful poetry. And we put down a mattress and we had everybody like make it rain. And then we would oh. just come through with like, with like pillowcases. And it was just like a great way. Like everybody wants to make it rain on somebody. Not everyone's yeah. comfortable going to the club. Yeah. But you know, if you're supporting your friend's short film, it it was great. What better place? Yeah, yeah, for sure. Yeah, it's all respectful. Everyone's there for that reason. Yeah. No, that's awesome. And I I love that too because um, unfortunately, when we were crowdfunding the last short I made, we were um, it was still the pandemic, and it was like Delta yeah. was the big thing when oh. we were trying to shoot this thing. So I had plans for like crowdfunding events that we just couldn't do. But like, I love what you did is being like, what do I have accessible to me and how can I maximize all these things? So for me, it's like, I have a lot of buddies who do comedy and I have some friends who play music and are like pretty good. So it's like, there you go. Have a fundraiser show, you know? And like, we have the improv uh, stage available to us that we could probably use for a night, you know, and raise money and be like, uh, the venue people are going to come, they're going to eat and drink. You guys keep yep. all that money, but we're going to take don- donations for our film. Uh, I love that. I love, and I was, I'm just throwing that out there because you did that. I want to do that, but anyone out there making a short film, like that's, I, I had a post the other day. Cause there was like a, you know, that ongoing argument on Twitter. That's like, uh, Which one side is, <laughs> yeah, I know. Right. One side, um, when it comes to just go make your film. Uh, there's oh, one side that's yeah. like, it doesn't matter. Uh, and these are people who've made like million dollar movies and they're like, yeah. just take your iPhone out in your backyard and make a movie. And it's like, that's one thing. But then there's like, there, what I hate is it's either that or it's, there's, it's impossible. You can't We're do no that. We're no good at Blah, as a exactly. society anymore. Yeah. yeah. So I had a tweet the other day. I forget what it said specifically, but one part of it was, um, like it, it can be done and think yeah. about what you have available to you. And also like, it's supposed to be hard. It's not supposed yeah. to be easy. Like it, it's a hard right. thing to do to get organized and yeah. make shit happen. But, um, and it's good. Yeah. You don't know the first time. Yeah. Like yeah, how you hard don't. it's going to be, which is good. Yeah. Otherwise, like, I don't know if I would have had the cojones to like, do it go through it like yeah. i mean because it takes years especially when you're on a budget mm-hmm. and you're so you're working with professionals but working around their fully paid schedules mm-hmm. trying to make everything work mm-hmm. kind of like you know beg borrow and steal you know post-production time all that stuff and oh yeah yeah it, it yeah, was also I- expensive it is. Yeah. I got lucky that my first couple of shorts were in film school. So I had a crew oh, yeah. there who were all doing this for literal credit, college credit. But um, we had a media center available to us to oh, rent great. rent gear to check out gear. Um, yeah, we had a lot available to us. I mean, we 
we still all, most of us owe a ton of money to the school, yeah. you know, like I still do all my loans and shit, but, um, I was forced to jump into it and learn how to do it. And like you said, like, I don't know if I would have had the cojones before, yep. um, cause it's so much work and it's so daunting. Like, where do you start? But like, I just, I hate that argument as many, like you said, we're not good with shades of gray on Twitter. I hate so many of those arguments because it's like, there is a middle ground where both yeah. sides are right, you know, and both yeah. sides are also wrong at the same time in certain ways. And I don't think we have to minimize how difficult it is. And the truth is there is probably a version of a movie you can put on your iPhone that looks great. But like that is also going to take, you know, like, are you going to make tangerines somehow mm -hmm. like that? That's a certain person and a certain ability to do that. And because you really can't show people a short that looks like shit and expect it to do anything for you. No, no. E even one that looks pretty good. The last one that I made, we had like an a pretty good camera it's a prosumer it's a z cam it's comparable for any mm -hmm. camera it's comparable to like a black magic which is what i own oh, i yeah. wanted to use but like anyway uh we used all right shit and like ethan Ed and edna looks pretty good but even then it's like it's very it's very very tough for your short film to be anything more than a sample yeah. um like the odds of you making money off it or oh, no. that that's almost none but then yeah. like the odds of someone approaching you and saying, Hey, I love your short. Let's make it into a feature. Let's raise 500 grand or a million or 2 million, whatever. And that's fucking amazing if that happens for you, but the odds of that happening are so small. And I think yeah. the, the certain genres play better, you know, like if there's a great three minute horror short, that's so succinct and it shows something unique, like you might have yeah. a shot you know, but if you're like me and it's a 19 minute dramedy about a guy and his grandma, uh, yeah. it's a little bit harder to sell that as like, Oh man, we need to put some money behind this thing. This is going right. to be a money machine. And, uh, but yeah, anyway, I don't know. I'm just rambling at this point. But also like, I don't know. I'm a big believer in making the thing for its own sake. Like, yes, I know we're so encouraged to like, first of all, figure out what the system is crying out for and meet that need. And, and I don't think anyone's able to do that. There's, you know, like nobody knows anything. There's that quote yeah. <laughs> for, that people say that for a reason, like we it's can't true. get ahead of what the trend is. Remember when everybody was like, we want Ted Lasso and then squid game came out. Uh-huh. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yep. Uh, okay. Yeah. So back to first drafts, uh, when your oh, first God. draft is complete, What's the first thing you do? Do you send it to your writing group? Do yep. you, uh, okay, so we won't even name the others. <laughs> send it to your writing group that you've no, been no, in I for do. a while. Yeah, and yeah. and sometimes I might, there are a select few other people that I might want to have eyeballs on it. Mm. Um, and like I said, I, sent, I send it when it's like ready for eyeballs. There is sometimes a place where I will send something to a new like to a, a friend that I know really well that when it's like in its little baby stage, this is sort mm -hmm. of going to be my advice actually, but I'm going to, it's, it's happening now. So there is a point sometimes where I'm writing a thing where I want somebody to just be like, yeah, keep going. Yeah. And I almost never give into that impulse anymore because that is the moment when someone can fucking crush your project. <laughs> You've been on the best for years. That's true. 
but if you have good writing friends and you're like, I just want someone to read these, I won't, won't make them read a full thing. If I said that, like, you know, yeah. fetal yeah. place, uh-huh. but, uh, but I might like be like, yeah, 10 I, pages or something. Yeah. Can, yeah, exactly. 10 pages. Yeah. Can you tell me what feels alive in this to you? Cause you need mm-hmm. that little extra push. Mm-hmm. Sometimes I'll do that, but yeah, usually yeah, I was just going to say, it's hard when you're on like page 50 and you're like, does this thing suck? Cause like a mm-hmm. feature you're going to a hundred and you're like yeah. halfway through it, like, man, this is so much work. And is this not good? So yeah. Getting that confirmation yeah. is nice. Yeah. Yeah. And I also feel like that for me, there's this cycle that happens of like loving a thing and hating it. That's usually after the first draft, it's more when I get into editing and it's like, uh, one day I'll reread what I did and I'll be like, Oh, this is, this is, there's some stuff in here. Like I feel good about this. And then mm-hmm. literally the next day I'll be like, I'm the biggest fucking hack in the mm-hmm. world. Mm-hmm. And I, I should never do this again. And my time is better spent like literally learning how to knit. Yeah. Um, and yeah. And like dance. the level pole dance. I mean, look, there is yeah. never a bad time to pole dance except <laughs> during a pandemic, unfortunately. Um, Cool. So yeah, you send it to that group, um, get your, I have a second group too. There's another group that's an all female group called the wolf pack. So I will, if we only meet once a month, the other group meets once a week. So I will try to time it out and then I'll also send it to the wolf pack. So two groups. That's cool though. You get two different perspectives, two different group minds. Uh, that's awesome. Um, so at what point, do you because you do like to enter contests correct apparently yeah, yeah. well I, <laughs> all right so let me ask you this because i only say that because i know that your script greenwood won the rooster teeth women in animation fellowship at the 2021 austin film festival <laughs> which is fucking crazy that's so cool uh austin is crazy. such a huge deal i um, love austin so greenwood is that a yeah. pilot Yes, it's an animated pilot mm-hmm. about the uh, the ghosts of Greenwood Cemetery, which is a real cemetery here in Brooklyn. Oh, cool. Awesome. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, yeah, I know that you answer contests. Let me ask you this, though, because especially after winning something at Austin, uh, to what degree do you enter contests? There's no right or wrong answer, obviously. But, like, for me, I was probably, like, for each script, I don't know, like, 10 to mm. 12 like over months you know yeah. like uh basically like every month i'd be searching for like oh what's the next one i'm gonna throw 60 70 fucking dollars at oh, you God. know such yeah. a pain in the ass but you just yeah. you're playing the lottery and, no, and many I, of us yeah. do it i feel like i have uh like <clears throat> i selectively forget to like about all of them after i think actually the years of auditioning was good prep for this because i i can forget that i entered a thing mm-hmm. um and like re- rejections really roll off my back in a, in a different way than they used to which is mm-hmm. super helpful yes. <laughs> like super that's like the best skill for a writer is like learn mm-hmm. to be okay i actually count them up so now i have a rejection goal i'm trying to get 100 every year oh nice so, yeah so when i get and it really because i'm such a freaking weirdo with spreadsheets Mm-hmm. There's a part of me that secretly, when I get rejection now, I'm like, well, at least I get to like put another one in my, towards my goal. <laughs> it's a win-win at that point. Yeah. Uh, that's really cool. That's that. honestly, that's a great way of looking at it. 
Yeah. Um, I really liked I, it. With Greenwood, I felt like I entered everything. I was like, I am, I'm sort of, I just felt like, oh my God, I'm getting started late. Let me just like throw everything to the wall and see what sticks. Yeah. My day job allows me to pay those entry fees. Mm-hmm. Um, I wouldn't recommend like going into debt to, to enter a contest. You're going to have sure. to go into debt to go to the, <laughs> to the festivals if you can, yeah. unfortunately. Yeah. But. It's just like, don't go into debt, you know, playing the lottery. Cause it's yeah. kind of the same thing. It is um, li- literally the same thing. Cause yeah. yeah. I mean, like it didn't even place in certain animation screenplay contests. And then it somehow like, Places for Austin, in Austin. It, yeah, it was like a semifinalist for for pilot and Warner Brothers and and this Rooster Teeth thing, yeah. um, and then it was a finalist for the Rooster Teeth thing. And yeah. yeah, thank goodness I'm a woman in animation. Yes, you were right in that demographic that they were looking for. I'm now a screener for Key West Film Festival, and it's it's interesting because you have to like put your personal taste aside and be like, I mean, there are criteria probably just like for the screenwriting competitions there are criteria that you judge it on. You, you know, you look at the structure and you look at the cinematography and you look at, so mm-hmm. there are things that are like, okay, not my cup of tea, but I can see how much quality is in this mm-hmm. product, you know? Mm-hmm. So, and, and that's fascinating too. If I, yeah, I recommend screening or I don't know, maybe I should recommend people read screenplays for competition. Although that just, God bless everybody who does it. That's a huge, uh, it's a huge uh, investment of time. Yeah. And sometimes doesn't pay at all. Other times yeah. very low paying. I don't think there's any good paying uh, reading jobs out there. Uh, yeah. yeah. It's, it's a tough gig and uh, we're glad to have anyone doing it. Uh, like just anyone, people who've never read a screenplay. We're <laughs> glad to have them doing it. Uh, okay. So uh that leads me into my next question, actually, uh, if you're comfortable answering it. Uh, if not, I can cut it out. Uh, no, what is, let's do it. What is your day job? Yeah, so uh, it's, it's very funny. So a couple years ago, I had gotten laid off. I, I don't know if you, in my bio, I, I like to tease this in my bio, but I spent mm-hmm. about a year working for a dominatrix teaching women about power. Oh, wow. Yeah, yeah. She, was a, she was a retired pro-dom. Uh-huh. Um, and then they decided to take the school in another direction. So my job had been to like get classes together for her and talk to students. And it was, uh, it was very cool job. Yeah. Um, and then I thought you were going to uh, say they were switching the curriculum to submissive. No, no, <laughs> Going we, in another direction. No. <laughs> <laughs> we taught that too. You've got to oh, be able cool. to go both ways. All the yeah. dynamics of it. Yeah, that's cool. Yeah. Okay. So continue. I'm sorry. Yeah, I had to get my dumb joke off. It's <laughs> a whole conversation. No, it's good. Um, yeah. Everybody needs to relax sometimes. Um, yeah. Okay. But I'm saying this because, oh yeah, I lost that job and I was like, well, shit. Um, I'm going to try not to panic. And a couple weeks later, as I was not panicking, wink, wink, um, I literally <laughs> got a phone call that said, Google is looking for screenwriters. And wow. I thought I was being punked. I, like, yeah. I really was like, this is probably a scam and I should be very careful what information I share with these people. But I went mm-hmm. through a whole interview process mm-hmm. and I'm not a Google employee. I feel like I have to say this every time. Like if I, okay. if I imply that I work for Google, like a man in a suit will come and beat me to death. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> of know? course. Of uh, course. I am a vendor working <laughs> through a company that is contracted with Google. 
Um, But it's been like over three years and I write free educational content. So like they have this thing called applied digital skills that teaches um, students and adults, like how to use um, what we used to call the G suite things like uh, Google Docs. Mm -hmm. You can learn how to write a resume on Google Docs. So if you have any questions about uh, Google Slides or whatever, um, there's a whole huge library of over 200 lessons. So I work on those and I also do like, um, I've been doing a lot of job seeker workshops Mm -hmm. lately and Mm -hmm. for Grow with Google. I hope Mm -hmm. it's okay to talk about these things. I think it's okay. It's not a secret. Um, Yeah. yeah, So I'm sort of like a, a writer for them for all this cool free programming they're doing. Yeah, that's awesome. Uh, no, that's really interesting. I'm always fascinated what writers do for a living yeah. whenever you're like, you know, you you want to have a, a good uh, wage coming in. However, yeah. you want to leave enough time and energy for the dream. And uh, the I'm always just... The thing is hard, man. It's so it's hard. It's actually the hardest part of the whole thing. Yeah, but I mean, that is cool that like you are writing you know, yeah. for your day job, it's kind of, you know, I, this is so, it's so lucky. And it also happened because I think I, I, I took a few years to just be in the corporate world, mm-hmm. which I think in some ways I kicked myself for, but I'm also like that time set me up to be able to get this job and be like, look, I've done these things that overlap, but I, yeah, yeah I did. Um, I did corporate employee communications for a while for some big companies and was like a full-on like suit wearing corporate person for a second there oh wow Uh, yeah which you know definitely got in the way of the creative pursuit but yeah it was a thing that sort of needed to happen at the time and I was like surviving in New York City oh for sure yeah yeah Yeah, you got to do what you got to do yeah Yeah. I went to um I've been lucky enough I'm very broke but I've been lucky enough to be doing a wedding videography and editing which is like it's cool because i don't have to work all that much uh i'm working part-time and i'm really trying to chase the dream you know which sucks because i don't have a lot of money but it's going fine i'm getting by but we went and did uh, a shoot the other day a corporate shoot at this big credit card company and it was like uh an internal video for them like oh, a corporate yeah. video to show employees like and shit. anti-harassment or something no it was it oh, was yeah. showcasing all the new things they have going on in like the new quarter at oh, day okay. with this big credit card company i'm trying not to say the name but yeah, it was yeah, like yeah. uh it was real corny though because it was like uh it was like okay the video's starting with us catching a beach ball because the person they're recording a video in this card company's Brazil location. Oh, and at the and end of the Brazil part, they toss the beach ball yes. and we catch it in America. And I was like, Oh Very fuck, sweet. this is going to be fun corporate <laughs> stuff. But, um, you know, it was a small taste of like, and this isn't to knock anyone's career. Like we're all doing our thing, but like, yeah. I'm just a person who is like, uh, I know that I can't do a corporate job because like, yeah, I just want to do creative stuff. You know, yeah. it's really, I, I did a, I, I worked for a pharmaceutical company called McKesson. I will shout them out because uh, they fired me, but, uh, <laughs> but that job was just like, it was a warehouse gig. And every day you're just like, uh, it, it's pharmacy. So you're picking yeah. pill bottles and drugs and all these things and shipping them out in containers. The same thing every day, like 10 hour days, all the fucking time uh working you know 50 60 hour weeks and it was driving me insane i worked there for like a year and a half or something and 
only when I got out was I much more broke, but I was, it was the first time I realized like, Oh, when you leave a job like that, you're broke, but you're happy. Um, it was my first big lesson in life of that. And I've kind of always carried that with me. Um, Yeah. It's important to like find the thing that is not going to suck your soul out. Like mm -hmm. I actually found, so in my time in the corporate world, it happened unexpectedly because I was like temping actually for, for Bloomingdale's, which is this big department store based mm-hmm. in New York. Yeah. And I was like, Oh, I'm just I'm like, my play had just come out and I was acting more. And I was just like, I'm just, this is just the thing to get me through. And this is blah, temporary. Blah, blah. Yeah. yeah. And I kept getting this newsletter that was, that was boring, like receiving it in my email every week. And I was like, God, I would just, if, if I could, and they started asking me if I would consider staying and, you know, maybe we can find a thing for you and, you know, mm-hmm. we can find a place for you. And I was, Finally, I was like, look, if I can, like, if you can give me that newsletter to play with, like, I'll stay. And, and literally, like, that day, I'm very lucky. <laughs> that day, the woman who wrote the newsletter gave her notice. Uh-huh. And I suddenly was, like, in this job. And that <clears throat> led to a whole, like, career for a few years in employee communications. But I wrote a crazy fucking newsletter because I didn't care. And I didn't, I wasn't, like, desperate to keep the job. And yeah. it really caught on and it became like a whole thing. And then we like took the newsletter national and I was writing for an audience of like, I think it was 11,000 employees, mm-hmm. which is like the biggest audience I'd ever written for. I'd have plays go up for 50 people at a time. Yeah, <laughs> This is like every week. And I almost feel like, you know, to have to write something entertaining that gets a message across once a week um, was like, in addition to all the other job duties I was juggling, that was like really great training because the whole yeah. point of it was that it was going to be funny and ridiculous. Yeah. And then we that's made it That's what I would try to do with then, it yeah. too. Yeah. yeah. Okay. So we got your day job out there. Yeah. Um, what are your hobbies outside of screenwriting that help keep you sane? You know, it's funny. I've been realizing I'm desperate to go to dance classes again not necessarily pole pole really uh it's awesome but it's painful it's physically painful and i'm not dude sure. i've seen so yeah. many videos of girls falling off poles not, not that not falling so that's the thing it's like keeping yourself on it is painful like it, the, yeah. the things it does to your skin um you like basically that. have to like deaden nerves on certain parts of your body where oh. i would like to keep nerves <laughs> if you could that'd be ideal yeah. And I'm not like super brave. So it was a real challenge, but it was fun. But I like the wiggling around part. So sure. yeah. <laughs> sorry, this just got very honest. <laughs> but, uh, I would just like it to find a class where I can wiggle. Um, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And they didn't have wiggle class. So pole dancing was like the next yeah, best thing. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. Um, or even like, yeah, there's just some great dance classes around here. So I, I feel like I've just been super careful with the, with the pan beat. Um, yeah. And it's just getting, yeah, breathing in a room full of people is a little freaky. Yeah. Doing Uh, wedding shoots has been a fucking nightmare for me. I'm sure it's really scary. Yeah. It sucks. And at some point you just have to be like, I'm just going to do it. And if I get COVID, I get COVID because like, this is my job. I like my job. I hate what's going on, but got to do it. So yeah. Anyway, it's, it's fingers crossed, knock on wood. It's been okay so far. I had started doing stand-up like right before the pandemic hit. I got my first like date in a club. Like I, yeah, I had auditioned for this program and got, I I had auditioned at this club in Midtown where they do a residency 
and I got a residency and I did my four shows of the residency there. Damn. And then they gave me my first like Friday night show. Yeah, it was crazy. I was like, uh, yeah, I was, I was like on a bill, I guess with Carmen Lynch and like real, like New York city standup. Sure. Terrifying. Um, yeah. At one point, at one point the host goes, okay, I'm going to give you seven minutes. And I was like, um, I only have five. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> like I, I don't have another two. Don't have two yeah. Yeah. That's amazing <laughs> though, that you got to do it. He was like, this is the first time a comic's ever been honest about that. Oh, that's so true too. Cause I've yeah. heard so many comedians tell stories and they're like, they needed 25 minutes filled. I only had 15, but I told them, yeah, I have 25, you know, and <laughs> they go up there and wing it. Oh, uh, that's so yeah. funny that he said that. <laughs> but like, I can't imagine going, I, people are always like, oh, like people who knew or who got to see me do it. They'll ask sure. like, are you going back? And I'm like, I just don't see hanging out in these like poorly ventilated, deliberately tiny, close knit rooms for a while and also like who are we after those two years like am i still that person who was like <laughs> you know let me tell you about blah 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 right whatever uh yeah, yeah. so it was right before the pandy that you were getting yeah. into stand up yeah, yeah obviously i haven't done improv since and part of it is because i've gotten so busy with film and writing and just grinding and trying to make this dream happen yeah. but the other part too is that like yeah i've just kind of been like feel like I got to learn all over again and that kind of sucks and yeah. even though right before the pandemic I was already kind of naturally slowing down because I was losing my mind with doing I was working a serving gig and I was going full-time to school and I was doing wow. improv and trying to write and shit so it was a lot of different things and I knew that once the pandemic happened and life slowed down I was like, oh, I was doing way too much. Yeah. Uh, and it's like, I'm a person too who like, I don't like to say no to things. Yeah. So it's like, you know, I'm already drowning and someone's like, hey, do you want to play in this, on this new improv team? We're going to have like four practices and then we'll do a show. And yeah. I'm just like, I absolutely can't do that. But I'm like, yeah, sure. Cause I have FOMO, you know, I don't want to miss yeah. out on this. Totally. And, and you uh, don't know what's going to be the, the great next joy of your life. Yeah, exactly. And and sometimes too, our improv community where I do improv, shout out the improv shop in St. Louis. They're <laughs> the best people ever. Um, if All you're right. in St. Louis, go there. But um, it's such a tight knit community. And so every team is it's all the same people, but different teams are different combinations of all oh, of us. Yeah. So sometimes it's like, I hear who's on this team and I'm like, oh my God, I want to fucking go play with them because that'd yeah. be so fun. And, uh, but anyway, I can relate to being like, am I that person anymore? Do yeah. I want to go through all that shit? Yeah. yeah. That was a very odd two years that we all yeah. went through. Like before it happened, I was like taking a train up to Midtown at like 930 for my 10 PM set, you know, mm -hmm. like walking through the snow to like, go talk to a bunch of drunk strangers in a bar, like. Yeah. So in Midtown Manhattan, which is a place that I really in general try to avoid, like the yeah. plague, like what yeah. the, who was that girl? And even the funniest part too, maybe, is to talk to a bunch of drunk strangers for five minutes. For five minutes, like, yeah. And, and we're not talking approximately. We're talking like there's a timer. No, yep, yep. <laughs> it's Literally so funny five what minutes. comedians have to go through. But I'm a yeah. huge stand-up fan. Oh, I've only God. done stand-up once, and it's just not for me. 
Um, however, I do. I love comedy. I love the craft and everything. I respect it. So uh, yeah, that's awesome hearing a war story. I feel like it's great. I will be an enjoyer of it now on a new level. But like yeah. the time commitment it takes to actually get really good at it. Like oh. I had performing background and I'm, I'm a writer. So I was able to like pull some stuff out of my butt pretty quickly. But like mm-hmm. to get really good at it, you need to be going to an open mic almost every day. There are people yeah. who go to five a day. Mm-hmm. And like yeah. you can't to work a full time job and hit an open mic every night. There is no writing getting done on top of that. No. There's almost no anything else yeah. getting done on top of that. Yeah. So. You got to have your one true focus and um and yeah that's like you know with me kind of taking the giving improv a back seat is like with writing too to get really good at writing you have to be all in and i think that's anything that you want to do if you want to be the best guitar player if you want to be a really great cook um whatever it is you know golf whatever the fuck you need to do it so much and so often and a huge part of that is because you love it and you're obsessed with it and you can't breathe without it um and you know i wish that everyone out there can find their thing because it took me many things that i've i've had tons of passions and uh hobbies across my life but once i hit writing it was like oh this is Mm -hmm. something that i'm like maybe could get good at like you know i i can in the past i had played music i had i was skateboarding for a long time i played music for a long time and i got pretty good but um there would always be like someone who has been doing it half as long as me who fucking cruised right by me and i'm like oh they're a natural and then once i got into writing was the first time that i had like you know professors giving me feedback like yeah you kind of like have natural great instincts for this Uh and and i'm like oh is this my thing like, did I finally find it? And yeah. so, yeah, it's a really thrilling thing to feel like you found your thing, but you got to work so hard at those comedians. Yep. It's a fucking brutal yep. uh, come up. Yep. You got to go through a lot of bullshit for and like, five, oof, seven, the experiences of like, yeah, those, those open mics, like, or the moments when you bomb, it's, it's mm-hmm. wild. Yeah. And I really started doing it as an experiment to be like, can I stay in the room? Like, can I mm-hmm. physically stay in my body while this is happening? Which was, yeah. a, which was wild. Cause it was, it's the most high intensity situation. Basically I could imagine. Yeah. And yeah, I have a lot of respect for people who do it. Absolutely. Um, so of the scripts that you've written and you can dip oh, yeah. into your playwriting too, you can even dip <laughs> gonna, into your Google scripts. I might have to. Yeah. I'll be like the one about writing your resume on Google drive. <laughs> <laughs> yes. The most amazing thing I've ever done. Yeah, for sure. Uh, of the scripts you've written, which is your favorite and why? Okay, so I'm going to say I don't have a favorite. I feel like my two pilots, I, I'm, I'm a little in this funny place with right now because I'm trying to make edits to both of them now. So, like, it, it's hard to love them. <laughs> uh-huh, yeah. <laughs> the way maybe they deserve to be loved. Um, yes. But, okay, I would say the script that I'm proudest of is this play called Capacity, which is about um, Maleva Merritt, who was the forgotten first wife of Albert Einstein. And okay. I'm, I'm proudest of it as an accomplishment because I had to teach myself a lot of physics. She mm-hmm. was also a genius physicist, um, and that was like consumed a lot of their relationship. So I had to teach myself physics and then find ways to use physics concepts to tell the story. And I, I reread it recently. And was like, and it took me, it took me a long time to like 
finish that play and like like you know it's one of those where you come back to it and go away and you come back and you're like who the fuck do I think I am let me read 25 more books but like let me go through a divorce it's also a divorce play so I you be careful what you write about people (laughs) (laughs) I I, like had to go to get divorced before I could finish this play (laughs) it was part of the process unfortunately actually fortunately it's good that that ended but yeah Yeah. um, that's a whole other podcast um, yeah, yeah, yeah. We'll save that one for the next one. The uh, capacity. I'm, I'm really yeah. proud of it. I think. Uh, hope it's actually been considered at a theater in Key West. Oh, amazing! And, yeah, for next season, and it had a, gr- a a beautiful run in at the theater in Northern California that I got to go out and see and just be like, <gasps> like I was literally like, who wrote this? <laughs> <laughs> That's so awesome. They did so well with it. Yeah. Yeah, that's so cool. God, I can't imagine what a thrill that is to go see people put on a production of your stuff. And, and to see people watching your stuff. I mean, you can you can do that with films, of course, too. But it, sure. it's such a, like, it's different every night, you know? And, like, they find things that you didn't know about or things that you put in and you forgot were there. Mm-hmm. Um, I've, yeah, I've probably seen like, several different productions of my stuff. And I'm, every time I'm, all, I'm like, did I put that in there? Or did you guys just come up with that? Yeah. That's so cool. I love that. Very cool. Um, okay, awesome. So what is a recent accomplishment that you're proud of? Could be screenwriting, could be anything in life. Uh, what's something you're proud of? It's so funny because as I've been considering this question, I keep coming back to this realization I had like yesterday, mm-hmm. which I'm like, okay, out external validation, I think I've just decided is not an accomplishment. Mm, I might want to kick my own ass for this but yeah like writing the thing is the accomplishment yeah and like uh, you know I I, I've I I won two fellowships in the last year which is cool see how Mm -hmm. I snuck that in there (laughs) (laughs) yeah no smart but that's not an accomplishment like the way you know like getting engaged or getting married is not an accomplishment Mm-hmm. it's like a thing that happens because maybe because of some things you did to like set the, to, to, to set the circumstances for it to be possible. Like, sure. right. You wrote the script, people like the script, mm-hmm. but like you have no control over that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. That's you so true. Really um, you can't set it as a goal and then meet it. No, you get can't. A fellowship. No. Yeah. And that's, that's a really cool distinction. Happens. Yeah. And it's necessary to get external validation. It really is like yeah. you need that fuel once in a while. But I also want to be able to to distinguish in my head, like, no, like the writing the script, I think like my big accomplishment of the last year has been learning how to write in a way that doesn't require me to claw my hair out. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Like that's an accomplishment. Cause like mm-hmm. I put in the work. Yes. And you learned a way to make your, your process more efficient. Yeah. Uh, yeah, that's an accomplishment. Yeah, that's a really good distinction. I've never really considered that. Because um, it is kind of weird to be like, you know, like my contest placement was this accomplishment or is it more that you wrote a quality script? Yeah. That's the accomplishment. I don't know. And it um, would be, the script would be an accomplishment whether or not these people outside of you came to be like, this is the one we pick. Mm-hmm. Like it's, it doesn't change the quality of the actual script. Yeah, 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 yeah. You're totally right. 
definitely um yeah that's really cool that's i've never never even thought about that uh what what it because also like i mean even in a broader sense like i think that we have like a skewed view today of accomplishments uh like you said external about external validation because of like social media and all this shit yeah um you know and especially it's all of us but sometimes i think about young people and like uh you know this photo needs to get this many likes for me to love myself or like whatever and we all right. do that shit too on at, oh, different, at different levels but sometimes i think about like young people and just how like bad that would suck yeah. um when i was in high school it was still myspace was the thing oh yeah uh and like facebook was kind of like coming around um i remember this weird point where you had to be invited to facebook Oh yeah, and oh, me yeah. being like self conscious that no one was gonna invite me, and I was like, "Oh God, what am I gonna do if I'm, I'm a fucking loser?" Yeah. Uh, but yeah, uh, it's just a tough time, and then you throw in having to, because in when you're a kid, like I had like a relatively okay time in school, like things weren't that bad for me. But I've looked back and remembered like kids who were bullied and things like that, and like yeah. how bad that must have sucked. And yeah. nowadays, it's like. Well, back then you went to school and that was terrible, but you might find some like <laughs> comfort at home when school's yeah. over and you're with your hopefully. family and hopefully you would hope so. Yeah. Um, but then nowadays it's 24 seven, you're having to perform, yeah. you know, yeah. and like when you're out of school, you're updating your Instagram story or whatever the fuck. You know? I do think though, like even the school system kind of set us up to be dependent on external validation, right? Because like, <laughs> just, the whole system would collapse if kids in fourth grade were like, I don't know, teacher, like, this is the work I did. You gave me an A and that's your story. Yeah. Right. Right. I would like weirdly respect that kid and be like, your parents are hippies, aren't they? (laughs) (laughs) That's awesome. Um, Yeah. Okay. So we have reached the end. Uh, What are a few words of advice that you would give to your fellow screenwriters out there especially those who are just getting started. So this is going to not sound like screenwriting advice, but I I think it is. Okay. Your joy is fucking important. Mm -hmm. Like your life. If you can, we're not Uh all lucky enough to be in a position where we can do things that allow us to like our lives. If you are, You'll be able to help more people. You'll be able to do better work if you find a way to enjoy your life. It's not selfish. Mm-hmm. It can be the opposite of that. And I just say this because it's so easy to become singularly obsessed. Remember the, that what brought you to screenwriting is that you fucking love movies or mm-hmm. TV or whatever. Mm-hmm. And like, Stories. don't lose the joy. Because you can also mm-hmm. feel it when you read something that was written from that place of joy. I mean, we we're all talking yeah. about everything, everywhere, all at once, right? Oh, my God. So much joy. I'm sure they tore their hair out at times, too. But, like, that yeah. is like a, that's like a beating heart of love and joy and experimentation and, you know, it everything. Is. Yes. It's so authentic. Yeah. Um, and, yeah, you can feel that in scripts. That's my favorite fucking thing when I'm, like, 15 20 pages in and i'm like oh my god this thing is just dripping with authenticity and like yeah it just feels so real and um yeah i love it um 
Yeah, that's that's really dope. And like also, you know, if you are in a situation where you don't love your life, is there anything that you can do really small? Is there a first step that you can take? Like just start to consider, like I said earlier, leaving that um, pharmaceutical warehouse job that was sucking my soul and killing me inside. Uh, At the time, it seemed like a horrible thing when I got fired. And then I took that and I was like, I'm going to, I had just started community college at 27 years old whenever this happened. Mm -hmm. And uh, I was like, I do not want to go back to my old serving job at a golden corral, all you can eat buffet, by the way. Uh, And I was like, fuck it. I'm going back because it's quick, easy money. And I can just work on the weekend and like go to school during the week. It's what I have to do right now. And within a year, I was like, I'm so much happier doing yeah. this. Uh, it's it's just incredible. So I wished I would have done it sooner. Yeah. But um, yeah, so I, I like that too. And I don't think that you can put out really, maybe you can put out really quality work hating your life, but it's going to be a lot harder for a lot of people. Yeah. And it's like, like we said earlier, you know, like I've found for me to put out my best quality stuff, I need to be trying to take care of myself. You yeah, know, and trying like to take care of my happiness. We were all sold this idea, and I, it took me years to get over this. This is why I harp on this stuff now. It's like mm-hmm. the idea of the tortured artist. Mm-hmm. And like, fuck, who's that for? Yeah. Who? And I've seen, I've known tortured artists too well. I've known tortured artists, and, and yeah. they were not more successful, for sure. Mm-hmm. And they're not more productive, and they're jealous of other people's success because mm-hmm. they're tortured. Mm-hmm. And there's other people who have been through enough stuff in their life that people would view them as a tortured artist. Like, oh, they've been through so much. And, you know, they they write about these painful things that truly happen to them. But they're also very good people. Yeah. You know, and they've learned to like you because it's that thing of like, oh, you know, he's a tortured artist. That's why he's an asshole. Yeah. And it's like, that's not, it doesn't make it okay to do that. You know, like, uh, there are many brilliant artists out there who are genuinely nice people. And that's what we should all be trying to be. Um, we're going to be so nice if we're madly successful. Oh, dude, I can't (laughs) wait. I cannot wait. Um, I'm just gonna, I'm every day I'm going to pick a new person on set to be the director. I'm just gonna, it's really my way (laughs) of working less. (laughs) No, but, uh, but really like, it's true though. Like the industry before our time, which hopefully is soon, uh, has been quite problematic and we've heard so many horrible stories that, um, I think that, you know, if you love your life, like you said, you're more inclined to do nice things for other people and treat other people well. And, uh, it's important. We, we all have a responsibility to that. Also, if you are really connected to other people, like truly, you will, unless you're a a psychopath, you're not going to mistreat them. It's when you get disconnected and the wires get crossed and you're so concerned about like whatever your day is looking like Mm -hmm. and you forget that the person sitting across from you is a fellow (laughs) human being, Mm -hmm. like that's when things go awry unless yep. you're deliberately trying to fuck with people, which is a whole other class of human being. But mm-hmm. definitely. So um, like so my other bit of advice is just stay connected. Yeah. Stay try to be happy. Stay connected. I love all yeah. that. 
Rebecca Louise Miller, <laughs> it has been great talking to you today. Um, thank you so much for coming on. Oh my gosh, thank you for having me on your show. This is maybe the one episode I will not be listening to. Oh, well, good, good. All right, that's it, y'all. Episode 13 is in the books. That was a fun one. Um, Rebecca's very funny and sweet. It was fun talking to her. Um, I learned a lot. uh, Learned a lot about pole dancing. I didn't know much, and now I know. uh, Now I think I could do it. I I might go try. Uh, there's a, a children's park near my house with a pole and I'll just go there. No, uh, she's cool. Uh, we had a good time. I uh, hope you guys enjoyed that. If you did, uh, give us a shout out on Twitter or Instagram at social writer pod. Uh, say something you liked, say something you hated, say how stupid I am. Whatever you want to say, you can say that shit because it's a free country. And <laughs> until, you know, Elon Musk takes over, then I don't know. Uh, but for now we're good. Uh, and then if you guys want to donate to the show, you can do that at the link tree link in our social writer pod bio on Twitter or Instagram. Uh, really appreciate it. If you can, it helps us keep the show going. These things are tough to record and edit and all this stuff. I have a blast doing it, but also it never hurts me to be like, Oh, cool. A little bit of compensation. Uh, but also only if you can afford it. Uh, that's it guys. Episode 13 is done. Um, I had a great time here. I hope you had a great time. Uh, I'll see you on the internet as I usually do. I know basically none of you in real life, maybe one or two of you. I don't know who listens to this thing. Um, but yeah, uh, I will see you there. Uh, take care of yourselves. Be kind to yourselves. Get some writing done. Chase your dreams. Uh, you know, eat a good breakfast every day, try to get eight hours of sleep, uh, do your laundry, make your bed, uh, go out in the nature and breathe oxygen. That's it, guys. Oh, bye bye. The social screenwriters podcast. The social.